Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we're talking about what astonishes us, what we're thinking about, and what we're preaching. So I will go first. Um, I So I was so astonished by some things that I saw in Worship at the Grove this week, and I have learned, I think, throughout these last this last season of ministry to really um, look for different signs of the movement of the Spirit. And um, so the moment that astonished me that I'm just rejoicing in, and, and it's not astonishes me like it surprises me, but just like we say before, like just not taking it for granted, you know, and just noticing and marveling and giving thanks to God for something. Um, so we start worship every week. Um, we, we pass the piece and then we start with three songs that we, so there's just this block of singing and worship and, um, our, our worship team is up on the platform and often, um, if there is a particular song that's deeply meaningful to someone on the team, they will just step up while the music is playing underneath it and just share share like this mm-hmm. is what this song means to me or this is how it connects to me or whatever and and as you can imagine there's some people for whom that is just like that's their jam that's their sweet spot they love it um and then there's other people who who basically kind of tolerate it or think like i don't know why you people are being so emotional and um but but what we're trying to create is this culture where people are really drilled down into like what's real for me about this and and how is this revelatory and transformative and and how can we share that with one another and really build like like for some of us it's very vulnerable to speak of the most sacred things in our lives right um and so on sunday um a woman in our congregation who i just dearly love um for whom it is very out of her natural character um gave this introduction to a song and and you know most people stand up and will will kind of impromptu or speak and you know she had prepared a card that she read but i mean it was just beautiful and it was so real and authentic and it was so powerful precisely because She's not a super emotive person and she doesn't often, you know, show that side of herself. And I just think it's so beautiful when we can respect who someone is and and their nature and who God created them to be, but also we can all take risks and Mm. step of faith. And and part of the worshiping community, part of what we, we give to one another is you know, testimony is just sharing like this is real for me and, and saying that to you if it's this point of connection that lets you know that the way you experience God is also like the way I experience God or or even that it's different and that's okay. And it just was this beautiful moment. And, you know, I think about when I started in ministry, what I mostly noticed, I mean, and I'm, I'm confessing this, I'm ashamed of this, but it's just true. Like what I mostly noticed in ministry is what I did. Like I did this and people really liked it or I did this and I'm astonished nobody liked it or whatever. I mean, it was just very me-centric. And I think there's been this real transformation because Captain Obvious of realizing like, oh, you know, ministry actually isn't about me. What? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Um, and like understanding that that the the goal of ministry is to be a conduit through whom God forms disciples, right? That that the product, and I'm air quoting, of ministry is not a program mm. or an institution or a budget. The product of ministry is 
is people, right? Is disciples. Like that's why Jesus, quote, wastes his time walking around with these 12 people because he's not trying to build an empire. Mm. He's trying to help these 12 people come alive and walk in the kingdom. That's and good. then in turn that, you know, so I just, I'm, I'm trying to look for and be aware of what God is doing in people's lives, not because of really anything directly that I do. I mean, it's nothing to do with the quality of sermon that I preached. It's just you know, this community, this space, people gathering, people surrendering mm-hmm. to God, and then the Holy Spirit really, you know, nudging people to take risks and mm-hmm. to have a new concept of what is normal and to be vulnerable and to share these things. And it was just so beautiful. It was miraculous. It was just evidence that, you know, we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I just, I mean, I just want to stay in that moment. Um, and I, and again, like, I don't mean to say, like, I'm surprised that this particular person did this thing. Like, transformation is what we believe in. Well, it's a sign of the culture change in your congregation, because what our listeners may not be aware of is that the Grove, what, seven plus years ago, started this process of no, seeking... That, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Wow. Yeah. I've been, been there 10 years, so it's been a while. Oh. It's been a minute. <laughs> well, you guys started this process very intentionally. Um to move from an inward-focused church to an outward-focused church. And you took a whole lot of risks, and it involved this change in church culture, which this seems to be a real manifestation of. Well, and I think a lot of times we want our churches to grow, but we don't think through that if people are going to come to our churches, then those people are going to be on a spiritual journey. They're going to be seeking God. And so if our churches, like if that's a byproduct or if that's something we do, but we kind of keep it in the closet and take it out when we feel comfortable or we don't share, like why would someone seeking God go to a place where no one's talking about their authentic experience of God or when their authentic experience of God isn't transformative or revelatory, right? Like people just, you know, if we want to grow, then that has to be the name of the game because that's what people go to church for. Now, if we just want to get the members who have fallen away in the past to come back, then, you know, that's a different scenario. Anyway, all I am saying is it was the most beautiful moment in worship that I've ever seen for a long time. I am just rejoicing in the fact that I had zero to do with it right which i love and again Absolutely. i feel like god is is you know her, is fixing my ego and being mm. able to say that the moments that i rejoice in most i mean and one of the reasons i rejoice in the most is that it had nothing to do with me and it was so beautiful and it was this sign of that oh my goodness this is the work of the holy spirit and we can trust the holy spirit which is astonishingly good news we can trust the holy spirit we really can which is why like the burden actually can be easy and the yoke can be light because we're trying to do the things that only the holy spirit can do and trying to do only what the holy spirit wants to do which anyway so that's it that was what astonishes me what about you well um i am um, a person that uh, doesn't uh, share emotion outside the pulpit real easily and especially um, the emotion of anger as an African-American man, I tend to keep that in check and cause you don't want to be the angry black man in the room or anywhere else. Right. And so, right. um, you know, but there are some things that come up in ministry that, that frustrate and make you angry. And, mm-hmm. and I have a hard time, uh, dealing with that emotion. And usually I just keep it locked down somewhere and again, don't share very much. And I'm astonished (laughs) that today, um, as we walked, I've shared some things with you and 
by the end, I, I mean, I feel so much better. Uh, like, imagine that. An introvert can share emotion and um, feel better. That, that, that's astonishing to me because normally I will just hold it and just try to deal with it on my own in a corner somewhere. And, uh, yeah, so I'm astonished by you today. <laughs> well... Well, thank you. Thank you very much. No, but I do feel like this is one of the things, and one of the things that I would like to magnify in this podcast to the tens of people who are listening is that, um, like, our friendship really is such a gift yeah, yeah. in ministry, right? And and it and so to be able to have a friend who shares values mm. about you know who God is and what this work is and how we want to show up in this work, and so then someone that you. I mean, and I usually it's the other way around. Like, let me be clear. Usually it's me showing up like, rah, 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 and you're like, now Kate, <laughs> in Psalms. And I'm like, anyway, but, but, you know, a place where you can show up and be real about who you are. And then someone loves you enough to be like, yeah, I hear that. And, and here's, you know, I, I don't want to walk in that. You don't want to walk in yeah. that. We know that walking in anger doesn't. Yeah accomplish anything. So let's look at the truth. Right. Let's look at the truth and let's look at, you can't control anybody else in that scenario, Mm -hmm. but you Mm -hmm. can control you in that Mm -hmm. scenario, or Mm -hmm. at least try. I mean, like at least it makes more sense to try to control that spirit and the attitude that I walk into it and be able to say like, oh, I contribute to this and here's, so I'm just saying that happens to me a lot. And the weeks that we can't get together, I mean, I really (laughs) notice a difference in just how I carry things Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the kinds of pity parties I throw for myself. Well, and as we were saying on the walk, um, the times in which we live, anger is is celebrated. It drives a lot of people. And um, we really don't do, at least I don't in the church, uh, a very good job of talking about having people deal with anger, that we, we allow people to... Um, put things on Facebook or, you know, other places, social media. Passion. I don't know how our culture expresses passion that's not through anger. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I think a lot of times people feel like the choice is to be angry or to be like boring or dead or to not care. Right? And so to be able to have like a passionate vision for something without an anger against someone. And especially I think for us as pastors, who are supposed to be shepherding like Jesus. Right. So to be able to say, like, whatever is true about the people whom God has given you the privilege of shepherding, your job is to shepherd those people. And that as requires, they are, that right? requires maintaining relationships. It requires right? me and also just like having right expectations of Absolutely. them, which which would mean telling the truth. But I think for me, a lot of times I have to check myself and say, I cannot be mad at other people for not knowing what it was my job mm-hmm. to teach, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So like if my church isn't doing this, that, or the other, I can sit around and be angry or I can say, well, how am I not communicating this? How am I not modeling this? How am I not pouring this into them? How am I not caring about whatever deep pain is being, you know, translated at, in this particular behavior, right? Like these are our sheep. Yeah. And I do feel like, a lot of pastors just are just waiting around to get better sheep. <laughs> like I'll Absolutely. be a better pastor yeah. when you give me better sheep. When I move to the next church, they'll right. be better. That's bigger. And yeah. I and we were saying on the walk this morning that like this is the work of ministry. It That's is right. difficult, precisely because so much of it is beyond your control. If you're mm-hmm. doing it right, 
then what you're looking for is the Holy Spirit to be transforming people's lives. And I can't transform somebody else's life. Yeah, if we go back to um, what you were just talking about a moment ago with the woman in your church, if you had said, okay, everybody, you're going to do something yeah, do expressive. Do this or else. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That's a, that's a totally different thing. And it's not authentic and beautiful. Right. Um, yeah. But to be able to say, like, I can model this. I can encourage people mm-hmm. to walk in this. I can say, like, here's why I think this is But it does no good right. to get angry with people because they're not doing it. Or, they're just not there yet. Or to say, like, I don't know your timeline. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know where you're operating in your spiritual growth. Like, somebody might be at peak capacity right. of the measure of faith that God has given them. And I'm mad at them for not doing something that they're actually hop- operating on a higher spiritual plane than I am, right? Mm. I mean, like, just that idea of having this deep, reverent humbleness about shepherding the people you're called to shepherd, which doesn't mean protecting people from the truth or lying, mm-hmm. um, which, I don't know, transition to what I'm thinking about this week. Um, I have a, um, an upcoming sort of uh, ministry assignment that is beyond the local church, this thing that I've, that I'm happy that I agreed to do, which basically involves, um, leading a, a, a session on church transformation and church growth to a group of church leaders, which is great. Um, and this week I got some more information about what that looks like. And, and it's, and so what I discovered after saying yes, is that they, they've said to me, actually, we don't really want you to present information as much as we want you to spark discussion among these church leaders so that they will experience camaraderie and knowing they're not alone. And I, you know, and I just feel like, oh gosh, that makes me sad Mm. because particularly because I, I was invited to talk about church transformation. Not that I'm any kind of expert, right? But like if people are signing up to be a part of a session about church transformation, then I just feel like it's a design flaw to say, oh, all they need to do is have a conversation with one another because all the answers they need are already in the room, right? right? And I just don't believe this. Like, this is not a, like, Dorothy and the Ruby Slippers moment, right? Where you've, like, had it within you all the time. Oh, no, I mean, I think that there are times in our lives and particularly in our spiritual lives when what we need is not in us, right? It is external, right? And it requires being born again and it requires coming to this radical, uncomfortable awareness that we don't know what we think Mm -hmm. we know, that we are not being faithful in the way that we are being faithful. Repentance. Right. The last thing we need is reassurance that we can just keep on doing what we're doing and everything will be okay, right? And like the Bible's full of examples of like, you know, the prophets who said, peace, peace, when there was no peace, like they were not being faithful to the people. And I think, you know, I believe, and certainly statistics bear it out, and and most people will tell you that they would desire their churches, particularly in the PCUSA, to become more healthy and Mm -hmm. more fruitful, right? Like we say we want that. And I just think that if that's what we really want, then we have to develop a tolerance for having uncomfortable conversations and considering like unco- you know uncomfortable truths for discomfort for yeah. spiritual discomfort right like when we're comfortable and sitting around in a circle and realizing like oh everybody's in the same boat and everybody's doing the same thing and mm-hmm. everything is going to be okay that's a very comfortable and encouraging conversation but if it just encourages us to continue doing what we're already doing and thinking what we already think then i don't know why we would have an expectation that anything would change absolutely right so that that and i will just say that 
I, I, um, you know, I try to force myself to listen to these leadership podcasts, which are really uncomfortable for me. I hate it because every time I listen to a leadership conference podcast, what I learn is another way to get better at what I'm doing, right? right. Like mm-hmm. what I learn is another thing that not that people need to do better or the church we needs to do better, need but that do better. I need to do yeah. better, right? Yeah. Like I discover a way where I need to grow in more faithfulness. And I was listening to one recently where the guy doing it was like, hey, if this makes you uncomfortable, you're probably a pretty good leader, right? Mm. Because leaders are willing to go in a room and say like, okay, let's name the real problem mm-hmm. <laughs> and let's talk about what what we can control that we're not doing well and let's make a plan to change us so we can change the situation. Like that is what is required, I think, in a moment where you need deep transformative change. Now, yeah. if things are good, then sitting around in a circle and sharing, you know, that we're all on the same page and we all think the same things, like that's great. Like if what you need is... Do more of the same than just encourage yourself to do more of the same. But few people are there. Well, and I just think that in the spiritual life, we need to understand that, yes, there's comfort and there's tenderness and there's mercy with God. And there's also truth. And God's truth can be profoundly uncomfortable when it's a mirror against our own lives, right? And, And so we have to develop a tolerance for spiritual discomfort if we desire to be a part of the kingdom of God. Mm. And if we just want God to be like, you know, on the side there, if we get cancer, <laughs> but mostly just leave us alone and let us just keep, then, then, okay, we can have lots of comfortable, encouraging conversations to encourage us not to change at all. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking about. And, you know, we were saying earlier that, you know, that Dallas Willard quote, which mm. my people are probably so sick of me saying, but like grace is opposed to earning not, not effort. effort. <laughs> like we can put effort into being faithful Absolutely. and God will reward that effort. Not by loving us more, mm-hmm. not by saving us more. Those are binary conditions, but by producing more and more fruitfulness yeah. Yeah. in our lives and in our spiritual communities, like we get to play a role in that. Mm-hmm. We can't bury our talents and then wonder why <laughs> there's... Still- what happened? Anyway, whatever. Okay, fine. What are you thinking about? Well, that... Um- leads me to talk about an area where I would like to put more effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an article, a uh, December article in um, uh, the Atlantic magazine called American Exorcism. And it's about uh, exorcism in the Catholic Church in America. And I did not know this, but every diocese in America, every Catholic diocese, has an assigned exorcist. Who mm-hmm. knew? Also, that exorcisms have been going up, like, really fast and high over the past decade. And so this is something that they're really focusing on. And it's an area that I've been interested in. I like to read um, about deliverance ministry. But I don't have a lot of occasions where I feel free or take the opportunity to step into and practice every once in a while, especially when um, meeting with someone one-on-one, I will, but publicly, it's pretty rare. Um, But still, there is this growing interest. And I think it's, I I was surprised that this was in the Atlantic magazine because it it was a favorable Mm -hmm. um, look at exorcism. And the Atlantic is not... 
It's not a charismatic publication. No, no. Yeah. You know, what's interesting to me is um, just how uncomfortable we are with that language mm-hmm. as mainstream Protestant people. Um, and I mean, so so much so that my, when I was in the ordination process, when I got ordained, my, my sister's used to joke about how, like, well, yeah, but when are you going to do an exorcism, right? Like, and the, the reason it's funny is, like, you know, oh, because you would never, you would right? Because you're not right. that crazy right. or you're not that, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. And, um, but I, I do think it's interesting that it's a it's a way of talking about being born again, right? It's yeah. a way of talking yeah. about, hey, like, there are spiritual, this is spiritual change, Absolutely. That we yes. need, yes. that we can't, as you say often, bootstrap for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus isn't our Red Bull. Like we need to be born again. And so deliverance language, exorcism language is, an, is a, I think for me, a way of taking that really seriously, right? Like, And of saying that there is, there, there truly is power from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And opposition. Yes. Right. And I just feel like anyone, and I do think this is a problem that for as religiously obsessed as Americans are, we are also like very uncomfortable using spiritual language. And so when we see things like... We like the practical. Well, or like when we see things like like a like a school shooting or we mm. see something like a, you know, like a, an egregious case of child abuse, what, what we want to do is like blame people. And I mean, I, I get that there's accountability, but also just to say what Paul says, what I believe, yeah. that my enemies are not flesh and blood but our powers and principalities of evil and darkness that have real effects. And the reason that that language and that belief is important to me is it allows me not to fight the culture wars, not to, I cannot hate my way into the kingdom of heaven, right? right. I cannot hate my way into becoming a more righteous person. Like I need to understand that I don't have to, I don't have to hate people that do evil. I can hate, the evil that is destroying the image of God within them, right? Yes, and that reminds me, a couple of years ago, I had a young man in my office, and he was very angry. And if I'm being honest, I, I was afraid of mm-hmm. him. And um, and so I made sure I stayed behind my desk. because he was, And I did not know him. He, mm-hmm. he just came by the church. And um, I remember he started saying, that he was hearing voices mm-hmm. and he didn't want to hear voices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and my first response was, well, we need to get you to a psychiatrist or, mm-hmm. but there was another voice saying, well, um, he shouldn't hear voices and Jesus can do something about that. So why don't you pray? Right. And I, if I'm being honest again, i wasn't like super confident. Hey, this is going to, yeah, yeah. can I pray for you? And I just, I prayed that the voices would stop and they would go away. And, um, and then when we were done, I remember we opened our eyes and his face was different. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, his whole countenance had changed. He was, he didn't have that angry look. Right. And <laughs> part of me was like, holy cow. <laughs> right. It's like, Oh, Okay. Um, yeah, and I, I really want to lean into that. Well, I just think we have to stop being embarrassed that we're spiritual people, right? Yes. I mean, so this is not to say, like, don't go to a psychiatrist. I'm not saying don't Absolutely. take medicine right. for depression. Right. Like, I'm not right. saying. I mean, right. all of those are, are part of the realm of God and part of yeah. God's goodness and part of God healing. So that that's great. Yeah. And 
you know, I do feel this a lot of times when I'm sitting on in conversations and clergy conversations, like it's as if we're trying to reinvent our role in light of the model of psychiatry instead of saying like, no, actually we have chosen different work Mm -hmm. with different tools Mm -hmm. and it's not an either or, Mm -hmm. and it's not an opposition, but like, if you want to do talk therapy with someone, then train to be a psychiatrist, right? right? I mean, just do that. That's Mm -hmm. good and godly work, Mm -hmm. but, but we have a different tool to offer. And if we don't believe in the presence of evil, then I, I don't even know how you're living in reality. Um, if we don't believe in the in the spiritual realm, then I don't know why on God's green earth you would be a pastor, right, right? Right. And so if you do believe these things, then you at least need to be foolishly in love with Jesus enough to pray for somebody. Yeah. When I mean, this yeah. is my thing also, like when, when I do hospital visits, and I decided early on that like, I mean, I when I show up at somebody's hospital bed, when somebody calls me and says, you know, my son has had a stroke or my daughter is missing, like, here's what I'm praying for, mm-hmm. healing. Yeah. Here's what I'm mm-hmm. praying for, you know, deliverance. Like, I'm praying mm-hmm. for the outcome that we're mm-hmm. desiring because who the heck needs a pastor who will, like, hedge their bets That's to right. try it? Like, That's whatever right. happens. That's right. Like, no, what we're yeah. asking for is yeah. healing. Like, what I'm asking for is for the cancer to disappear. Like, if you, that's what I'm, that's what yeah. I'm praying for. And, and of course... If God's will is something different, then we will, you know, rejoice in whatever that healing looks like. But I'm asking for healing because if we don't believe in that, then then we're just lying to people. Yeah, when we do our officers training, um, I take uh, elders to that place in James. If anyone is sick, anoint them with oil and pray. So just just do what the text says and leave the results leave it to, to God. God. Just leave, leave it to the God. results to God, and that's. Uh, that's that's hard for us. Um, but I just think so many times we pray these tiny little prayers with lots of like hedges because uh, we want to yes. look like the expert. Like yes. like we have the scenario in our yes. head that we don't want everyone to come back to us later and be like, well, you prayed, Pastor, and it didn't work. It didn't so work. what's wrong with yeah. you, right? Yeah. And I just want to say like, well, I mean, that's a conversation that's fair to have, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But to be, if I pray something so vague that no matter what, ha- I mean, like it's not my prayer yeah. Yeah. that's at stake here or my ability to pray. It's about is God who God says that God is and moving forward in the future, how are we going to wrestle with what happened that either met or didn't meet our expectations, but either way, this is the reality we're living in. And let's just, anyway, so I, I do think that's, that's very interesting. And I do think that it says a lot about kind of the, the culture of our denomination that I can think of very few people that I could have this conversation with. <laughs> well, and again, yeah. it's I'm surprised that it's this article is here and there's I think there's something happening in in the in the in the wider culture as well. There's an an openness there. I'm reminded of the title of that book, uh, something like um, people love Jesus but hate the church or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's yeah. like, you know, we like this this Jesus, this institution not so sure about and we can have that conversation but um, there's something in the culture that may be giving us an opening. Well, I do feel like a lot of times we want to present ourselves in a respectable we way. We professionals. Right. We, we want the culture to respect us instead of presenting ourselves as people who are faithful to Jesus. Yeah, right. And yeah. that, I mean, sometimes that's just two fundamentally different choices. Mm-hmm, like you show mm-hmm. up in two very different ways. Mm-hmm. And I understand why a doctor can't walk in the room and say, if you take this chemotherapy, I guarantee you what, like that would be cruel. But right. Our God promises healing, and so we'll pray for healing in whatever form that takes without, 
you know, hedging the bets. So anyway, I we are so over time. Are we my over friend. time? We are. So if you want to say, I'm preaching about the shrewd servant this week. Woo-hoo. And I love this text because I love... If you, if you don't know this, which lots of people probably don't because nobody ever wants to preach this. It's this thing where there's this scenario of like the servant gets into big trouble and he basically like cheats himself out of trouble. And then Jesus is like, oh, it'd be like that guy. <laughs> people are like, what are you saying? It's a great text. It is. And I love it because I think what Jesus is saying is that servant, you know, did all this shady accounting and lying and took risks because his life was at stake. Mm. And so he was willing to do whatever it took and take whatever risks he needed to take to save his own life. And I think Jesus is saying, I wish that in the kingdom of God, God's people were as excited and as passionate and willing to take risks and be creative for goodness sake as this guy was for selfishness sake or for self-preservation, right? Like, yeah. like, yeah. and so it's MLK day. And I want to say like, just, I want people to make a, I want us to be part of a holy spectacle where yeah. we're saying I'm taking, we're taking risks. We're doing mm. foolish things, not to save our own butts, mm-hmm. but to be fighting for our neighbors, for our community, for the kingdom of God, yeah, for like this yeah. holy goodness spectacle. So anyway, I'm excited about that. What are you preaching about? Preaching Psalm 16, verse 11. Um, <laughs> One it, verse. Well, no, we're, I'm going to focus <laughs> on 11. We're going to preach the whole psalm. Um, In his presence, there is fullness of joy. Yep. At his right hand are pleasures evermore. Um, I want to sit with this idea of we don't associate the word pleasure with God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and the word pleasure we associate with things we have to go to God for later to confess right, right, and, right, and right. ask forgiveness, right? right. So um and so the, the Christian fact hedonism, that, who does that stuff? Um, Is that Keller? John Piper. Piper, yeah. yeah. Um yeah. but also this idea of um uh in his presence there's fullness of joy. And yesterday I was in my car driving home and I was thinking about this text and what came to mind was um, my, my, my second date with Han, who is now my wife. Um, and it was, it was like that movie, those movie scenes where um, guy sees girl and the wind is blowing her hair. And, <laughs> and I was sitting in the restaurant watching her walk up the sidewalk. And it was like her feet were not moving. Like she was just floating. And I remember oh, she was wearing so this sweet. red and white silk blouse and it was blowing. Her hair was blowing. It's like the sun was like just right. And so we had dinner and then we went to a movie. And I remember I did not want to go home. It was, it was in the middle of the week and sorry for people who like the Waffle House. I hate the Waffle House. But the only place that was open was the Waffle House. And I remember I sat there. I drank bad coffee and ate horrible cake because I did not want to leave her present. Are you going to tell that story on I Sunday? think so. That is I, the sweetest thing. I do remember, not that you're not still this, but I, I mean, we were friends then, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We, we were taking walks all through your courtship and you were such a lovesick puppy. And it was <laughs> so, I mean, it was so sweet. It was so beautiful just to like watch that whole yeah. thing unfold. And, um, oh gosh, that's lovely. No, that is so, lovely. And that is a love. No, I do I think want, to be able I want to, to say, ask, well, what, what? That God is not an obligation yeah, or a duty. Yeah, if you can understand duty. that, because I think most people can identify with that, that 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 feeling, that idea of exhilaration. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
God is saying, I want to give you that with me. My, that my presence will spread. Yeah, yes. no, I, I think that's, that is, that is. And heaven lovely. is heaven because of God's presence. Because you're in the presence of God. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, and I do think that, especially those of us who have been raised on like American Protestant work ethic culture, like that yeah. is not, that's not even something that we can conceive of, much less pray for, much yeah. less desire. And that that's a problem because when the presence of God is enough for us, then we're free to make all kinds of radical choices in joy. Because yes. like I think so many times, like the reason we don't have the joy of the Lord is because we our will is not being done. And we can't get over that, right? Yes. yes. And yes. I, when I say we, I mean yes. me, right? No, like but, but 99% of the well. time I mean, when I'm unhappy yes. is because my yes. will is not being done. That's and right. I am so sure yes. that my will has to be done yes. or else catastrophe yes. ensues. We're out of time. We, ha- we have to stop. We have to stop. We have to okay. stop. All right. Bye, everybody.